like it don't drive that great at all. You know? uh-huh. It was not like I made a bunch of turns and went all over the city, but you know, just in the the airplane hangar or whatever we were driving in, I was like, this is messed up. I hit the gas. I thought I was gonna run everybody over. <laughs> and welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's all about everybody has a car story, from celebrities to car personalities and more. I'm Randy Cardoon, and this week in podcast number 151, I head over to the Ghostbusters Fan Fest at the Sony Studios to catch up with singer Ray Parker Jr. And I have 123 seconds with Dan Aykroyd. That's right, 123. And let me tell you, it's sizzling. Steve Tash, the guy who played the guy who drove the Camaro in the movie Christine, you know, the bully dude, only to die when the Plymouth decided to destroy the Camaro with him underneath it, and his link to a certain truck now being restored over at the Automobile Driving Museum in uh, El Segundo, California. All on the show. But first, it's time to uh, do something unique. Check in with my pal, Hot Rod Bob Beck from the Great American Auto Scene, or GAS, G-A-A-S, for really a version of Classic Car News. Hey, Bob, uh, where do we see you today? What are you up to right now? Oh, I'm headed to Irwindale Drag Trip. They've moved up the drag racing from a Thursday night normal to Wednesday night because Thursday night they don't have fireworks. So we're going to have drag racing on Wednesday night. That's right. And on Thursday, aren't they only doing the Destructo Derby or something? Yes, it's the uh, commemorative of my wedding day. They call it Night of Destruction. Hello, but I'm bummed. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just, as long as it's not like your marriage, as long as that's not a night of destruction, I think everything's no. fine. Yeah, yeah, and as you know, you you were there. We got married during the, the first night of destruction uh, three years ago. That's right. That's right. And we remember all sorts of things. And, and, in fact, right now would be a good time to play something from that show some years ago. Uh, this would be the place where we put a clip, Bob. Yeah, clip goes here. To be your husband in marriage and car collecting, racing, and hot rodding. I promise to love you with all my heart, even though you drive forward. <laughs> Okay, clips over. Uh, that again, Hot Rod Bob back. So let's take a look at some of the big stories going on here in the world of cars. And uh, let's start off with, you know, you're going to be going to Bonneville, Salt Flats. Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, we're going to go to Bonneville for the first time. This is a national event where cars are set up to run just for top speed. It's one car at a time to see who can go the fastest. Now, there's a, a goal and that is entering the 200-mile-an-hour club. To do that, you have to run over 200 miles an hour in a class and break a record at the same time. So if the record's 201, you go 202, you got a record, you get this famous Bonneville cap, and you get to be a member of the 200-mile-an-hour club that has their annual meeting here in Buellton, California, for uh, the people who have achieved that. Now, we're going to go with a wait, group. Wait, 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 wait. Buellton, California? The pea, yes. the pea soup place? Exactly, right across the street. The uh, Mendenhall Museum. And uh, that is where the 200-mile-an-hour club meets for their annual barbecue and uh, meeting. Wow. Do we know anybody that's in the 200-mile-an-hour club? I know of a couple of people. As a matter of fact, uh, 
a couple of people in the car club I belong to have joined the 200 mile an hour club, and uh, one of them is, is strange. He uh, he owns a, a company that makes racing products. His wife entered the 200 mile an hour club before he did. So when they went to the meeting, he could not go into the meeting because he wasn't a member. So he had to sit outside with the other wives as his wife went to the meeting. Ah, well, now, okay, we had just interviewed a few shows ago, Tegan Hammond, and yeah. she went over 300 miles an hour along with her mom, of all people. And yeah. so obviously it goes without saying that she is a member of that club. She is definitely a member of that club. Okay. Her, you know, that's a family affair. I think both parents and herself, and I think a brother's in there someplace, too. But that's a racing family. They'll be up there. I'm going to go and try and see her while I'm there. And we're going to do a, a, a spot on the salt in the morning to uh, let, let people know what's going on out there. Spot on the salt? Well, we're going to call it gas. You know, morning gas from the salt. Oh, you're going to do something live. Yes, we're I was something live. I, I was We've got a, a whole bunch of people. I was afraid there wasn't a porta potty anywhere, and you know you'd have to cover that up. That would be kind of oh, weird. Oh yeah, yeah. The salt would just eat through it. Though. Yeah, That's exactly. Okay, yeah, the salt yeah. would eat through it. Yeah. yeah, don't eat yellow salt. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely true. Don't be eating yellow salt. <laughs> you were telling me earlier that there is actually, when it comes to being at the salt flats, because it is salt, because it's where a lake used to be. You have to take precautions to go to the salt flats because it's going to be a warm day. I take it when you well, go. Well, it's going to be yeah, it's going to be 100 plus degrees almost all day long. Plus, you've got this area that is for as long as the eye can see bright white, and what happens is, as you know, it reflects sun. You know, it reflects light. Mm -hmm. My colors do that. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be careful. You've got to put sunblock where you may not have ever thought about putting sunblock because the light bouncing off the ground is as damaging sunwise as direct sunlight. And there have been guys that have been wearing very loose shorts that have sunburns in places they never thought they'd have a sunburn before. Ouch. Yikes. Yeah. That could be an issue. Uh, <clears throat> now, of course, all our listeners are immediately reaching for a certain area just because it's kind of a thing guys do. Uh, yeah. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> so what are the things then that they've warned you about? Obviously, sunscreen, basic, I guess you have to bathe in it before you go out there. Yeah, pretty much. You're gonna, we're going to slather on 50 SPF, and uh, every place that's exposed, even places that aren't exposed, and one of the things we're also going to be going to do, and we've ordered these already, is UV-rated clothing. So we're going to get white T-shirts that have a UV rating for blocking sun. So huh. there'll be long-sleeve T-shirts, which I'm not really a fan of a long sleeve in the hot weather, but it's better than becoming a crispy critter uh we're also going to get a the one uh, and only cereal that jumps uh, the one and only cereal that uh comes with something of animals wait a minute what was yeah, that right the one yeah, and only cereal of animals uh, crispy yeah critters. Yeah, yeah well that's okay. crispy yeah go ahead all right so we're also going to get hats and the hat is going to have a shade around the back because otherwise i will become a redneck uh, and that is not going to happen. Uh, so we've got a hat with a curtain that goes around the back and a wide brim to keep it off your forehead. And so yeah. I've got to get used to that because, as you know, I don't wear a hat. I, I'm uncomfortable wearing hats. So this is going to be a, you know, something I'm going to force myself to do. And I'm going to get white or khaki pants, a light-colored 
slacks and white shoes. Mm-hmm. One of the things I noticed even here in Southern California, when I would work outside and I wore dark shoes, they became heat sinks. And uh, it's one way to cook your toes. But so white, bright white shoes, bright white clothing almost throughout, and a lot of sunblock. All right. Obviously, sunglasses, too. You have to get sunglasses. That would be pretty good. Uh, You know, I've just got a list here of some of the things, and I think this might be one you passed on to me. Lip balm may not be necessary for everyone. Yeah. But you will definitely need it on the salt flats. And even when you're in Vegas, you'll need it there, too, which which is interesting because yeah. I never equated the salt flats to Vegas. No, but it's you know, the same type of, of temperatures and heat. Mm-hmm. And one thing you know, we're used to here in Southern California, we're used to temperatures cooling down in the evening as the sun goes down. Not so there. The sun may be down, but the temperatures are still high. Right. Okay, so uh, let's see. The desert winds... Uh, Let's see. You need to be careful because the wind not only blows sand, but at Bonneville it can be blowing salt, and yep. no one wants to take a salt bath uh, or a no, salt yeah, shower, actually. Yeah, but you're going to be. We're going to be taking showers on a frequent basis when we can. You know, it's in the morning when we get up, obviously, and then again in the evening when we return to the hotel before we even change clothes and go out. So it's going to be something. Uh, you know, blowing sand is something you're used to in the desert, but blowing salt is a whole other thing. Yeah, absolutely true. By the way, it says here that earplugs might not be a bad idea. It might. You know, here you got again. It's racing, and these cars do not have mufflers. Uh, the car, the team that we're going with, is expecting three to four thousand horsepower out of their car. There are no mufflers now. Unlike racing that we see at a track here in Southern California and other places. We're not that close to the car. We may be 100, 200 yards away when they start, and then they're going to go for uh, over five miles. Uh-huh. So they're going to be quite a distance away, but you can hear them depending on where you're pitted. As they leave the line, the starting line, and the RPMs climb, and the engines go faster, and then they disappear into the sunset or actually into the curvature of the Earth. One of the things I've been told is you can actually see the curvature of the Earth up there. At Bonneville. You could see the curvature of the Earth? Yes, you'll watch a car go past you, and then it'll kind of disappear. It'll kind of sink as the curvature of the Earth, the round, you know, the the angle changes. Uh You will lose sight of the vehicle because that's how long the course is. You know, think about it. When you go to, you watch Daytona or you watch Indianapolis, that's a two and a half mile oval. This is five miles straight. Ah, very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, and as you know, as as far as the eye can see, the eye can see there is nothing there. It's just a flat surface. So as long as you the eye can see, you can see. But if you can't see, that means the eye is not seeing what you can see. Do I understand That's that correctly? Correct. That's right. As far as you can see, you can see. But if that you know, once you get beyond that, you can't see. No. You can hear it, but you won't see it. Well, thank you for clarifying that for me, Bob. Uh, yes. Let's move on. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, a couple of guys we're going to be interviewing on the show, some folks from Ghostbusters, the movie. And what, do you remember the Ghostbusters movies? I mean, have you seen? Yeah. What was your, what, when I mentioned that, what's the first thing you think of? Cadillac. The Ecto. The active, the, 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 you know, that, that thing is cool. And you and I had the opportunity to interview a lady who owns a Cadillac 
ambulance, and that is basically what the Ghostbusters vehicle was. And that be, that has become an iconic vehicle. That set the stage for people collecting ambulances and hearses. Okay, here's something interesting. I didn't know if you knew. According to uh, motor1.com, a few fun facts about Ecto-1. For, uh-huh. for example, it was supposed to be much spookier if it was up to Dan Aykroyd, the Ecto-1 would have actually been all black and used flashing white and purple strobe lights to give it a really unique glow. Just one problem. The directors realized they were going to film the vehicle in some night scenes. Thus, the all-black car wasn't going to really fly when you're shooting it at night. Yeah, I can understand yeah. that. Well, even when they shoot cars for magazines, black cars are uh, not normally photographed. They don't photograph well. And I always find it interesting, white cars are not really liked in movies because it's almost the complete lack of color. That's why you see a lot of cars with pastels and all that other mm-hmm. stuff out there. Yeah, you, when you're photographing something that's white or, or black, the, the curvatures, the lines of the vehicle disappear. You can't. The camera doesn't necessarily pick them up. I didn't know that. See, well, this is what happens when you have a white car and then you wonder why isn't anybody wanting to put it in a movie. But that's okay. <laughs> this is this is what happens. All right. You know, and it, I didn't know this. The Apparently, the Ecto-1 initially had supernatural powers. Oh, really? Uh, like the ability to dematerialize. Like, uh, what does that mean? To, to disappear? Uh, kind of like beam me up... Uh... Or bewitched, or bewitched, you know, the little yeah. nose crinkle thing. I'm headed for an accident. Let me disappear and I'll miss it. <laughs> I, that could work. Yeah. Uh, dur- during the filming of Ghostbusters 2, and, and Ray Parker actually bring this up in the interview, the original Ecto-1 was in such bad shape it broke down during a shoot in the middle of the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> now, if you've ever been on the Brooklyn Bridge... And, yes, and some of our listeners in New York or back east may know, there's no place to pull over on the Brooklyn Bridge. Mm-hmm. If it craps out, if you will, you're stuck. And apparently uh, they got all upset about that, and the producers were fined a, a discreet amount for uh, creating a traffic hazard. Uh, they didn't have the road blocked off for a movie shoot to start with? Uh, apparently not. Apparently they wanted everybody to kind of drive around and, and as if it was a normal shoot, as if it was a normal car driving right over the Brooklyn Bridge and apparently caused uh-huh. a significant traffic jam. Yeah, I can imagine. It would, I think that car would have caused a traffic jam regardless. Although at that point in time, the first shoot, no one knew what it was. They're looking at this red and white uh, ambulance are going, huh? Well, this was also, by the way, Bro- uh, Ghostbusters two. So apparently, oh, well, it had, they knew. Yeah. They kind of knew, but they, but they apparently had another Ecto one, uh, which they uh-huh. eventually used. So that might be. Inter- what about Christine? What do you think of a Christine? Uh, you know, I'm a fan of the fifty seven, fifty eight limits to start with. I've always liked their looks, but um, that was kind of a, a that was an interesting movie when it first came out because the car was the character. Yeah. I kept thinking how many how many Plymouths did they use, especially where the car was uh, completely destroyed yet somehow had its way, had it come back, you know, pushing all the body panels out and making it come back to a real deal. 
Yeah, well, you know, it started out as a, a vehicle that needed a completely to be completely restored, and then it goes back to a destroyed, mm-hmm. and then morphs itself back. Now that's a vehicle with supernatural powers. Okay, now I'm thinking they had the original car and somehow pulled all the panels in somehow with hydraulics. And then, of course, when we saw it on the movie, they played it backwards. Mm, yeah, no, that's that's a good idea. You know, that, that takes a play, that takes a, a a game out of the playbook that Alfred Hitchcock used when someone was falling. It's actually they weren't falling; the camera was pulling away. So, just using that in reverse. Really, the body panels weren't falling away; the body panels were in, and then you played the film in reverse. And now, oh, look, they're all fixed. Yeah. See, that's what I because back then I don't know really how much they had the ability, aside from running everything backwards. They didn't have CG. They didn't have that kind of stuff in the '80s that I'm aware of. So uh, I'm just saying that's a possibility. It definitely is. And uh, of course, some sad news: Lee Iacocca, the uh, savior of Chrysler, and then some guy that put together this car at Ford had called a Mustang. Uh, yeah. But more yeah. important. He's the reason K cars existed back in 1980. He passes away at the age of 94. Yeah, he had a long run and he had an illustrious career in the auto industry, climbing through the ranks at Ford uh, and uh, becoming a, a, a as big an icon as the car he helped develop. I don't know if you kind of got by that statement that I had that I was more of a Mopar guy than a Ford guy. No. I wouldn't have known that at all. All right. I'm just I'm trying to be, uh, you know, show my well, even keel here. Yes, you are. But you, as you know, I'm kind of bilingual when it comes to cars. I have Fords and, and Mopar. Of course, my Mopar's got a Chevy in it, but we won't say anything. What? But, yeah, but you know, you got you got to think about this. What? If you, go back far, if you go back far enough, it has taken Chevrolet and Mopar to get Fords to run strong. I know you're thinking seriously, but uh, smoke is coming out. What are you talking about? The Dodge brothers were the engineers in charge of developing the Model T engine. Oh, right. You're right. Before there was Dodge. They were the engineers for Ford. Yeah, that's right. And then if you wanted to make a Ford engine run fast, you went to the Chevrolet brothers, and they made what they called the Fronty Ford or the Frontinac. And they modified Model T and Model A engines for circle track racing. So it's always been General. It's always been Chevrolet and Mopar that have made Fords fast. Which, if you think about it, makes complete sense. Sure, makes complete sense if you look at it that way. I, I like That's that. Right. That's, that's certainly an idea. Well, Bob, I I appreciate you stepping in. Hot Rod Bob Beck joining us. You could see him on his uh, morning gas. That is uh, his little uh, video, a live video on uh, Facebook, the Bob Beck Facebook page, uh, 11 in the morning Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Is this just Monday through Friday you do this? I, I, I'm sorry. I do this all, every morning that I try and do every day, every day except the weekends. So then you probably do it Monday. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I believe you're just doing it Monday through Friday. That's correct. Monday uh, through Friday. Right. And then once a month. Tuesday nights, and you've come on the show a number of times. Despite uh, all your security, I managed to get in. I know. Yeah, yeah well, you know, it's a second story, and you know, we don't have much security there. The first story is more secure. Anyway, you've been on gas, the great American auto scene, in the evenings. I have. 
I have, and I look forward to being in on the next one, which is coming up yeah. here in a little over a week. So, no way, right. a little under a week. Well, 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 whatever it is, by the time you hear this, it'll be coming up the second Tuesday of the month. Bob, good talking to you, my man. Have yourself a good holiday, and we will uh, we will talk to you later. Now, he sang the Ghostbusters song, made videos of the theme song, and shockingly did not get behind the wheel of Ecto-1 in the first video. In fact, Ecto-1 wasn't even in the first video, right, Ray? In my new video, we have the Ecto-1 in there. You had to drive but it? But the first time, yeah, I got to drive it, yeah. How cool was that? And I got the pretty girl sitting next to me. It's even cooler. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like driving the Ecto? It don't run that great. It burns a lot of gas, and it's fumey, and, you know, you hit the thing. It's like it was an old Cadillac from the 50s. You know what I mean? It's like it don't drive that great at all. You know? uh-huh. It was not like I made a bunch of turns and went all over the city. But, you know, just in the, the airplane hangar or whatever we were driving in, I was like, this is messed up. I hit the gas. I thought I was going to run everybody over. <laughs> so it's uh, interesting, you know. All movie cars are like that, yeah. though. Mm-hmm. Was there any other car from another movie that really stood out in your mind? Yeah, Batman. Which right one? when Batman came out, the Batmobile, yeah. the first one with the glass roof. You know, when that first came out, everybody wanted to be in there. I think they made a movie about that car with, with I forgot, some famous guy, they were driving around town. He won a, a lottery or something and won the car before it was the Batmobile. You're talking about the original one with George? Yeah, with the original. Absolutely, absolutely, with the glass roof and stuff, uh, that one, yeah. Nowadays, everything's a robot. You know, it's a transformer or something, you know. <laughs> that's true. So, yes. Yeah. I like the old one with the glass roof. was sexier. You know? That uh, Batmobile was certainly fun. Yeah, the yeah. TV show was mm-hmm. kind of cool. Yeah. So you grew up on that. Oh, absolutely. Tell me a little bit about your first car. What was your first car? My first car was a triple white Grand Prix SJ. And it wasn't a Grand Prix like traditional car. It was like a ra- those days the Grand Prix was a sports car. It had a stick shift in the middle and all that kind of stuff, racing tires and a big 440 engine. So it was, it was like quite the car. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I think two years later, they made the Grand Prix in like a family car of some sort, you know. Yeah, I agree. That, yeah. that wasn't as much No, it, it went to a different look. I was like, I'm not done with that. You know? What's in your garage right now? Well, I, I drove here today as a 911 Targa 4S. Nice. I like Porsches. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I got a bunch of other cars, Tesla and a bunch of, but I like the Porsche. It's my what favorite was the, car. What was the car that you once had that you no longer have that you would like to get back? None of them. I like, I like what I got now. I mean, the old cars, they just old. I don't think there's anything I want to keep. Maybe my first Porsche I just keep because of, you know, it's a collector's item now. But other than that, I don't, I don't talk about old cars. Talk about Porsches. What really grabbed your eye when you first I think they them? look good. You know, like I go look at the – every time I go to buy a Ferrari or Lamborghini or some exotic car, I go back and look at the Porsche and go, man, that's a better – I like the way it looks better. I just like the shape of it, you know. And when I sit in the dash, it's got the meters and the space and – I don't know what it is about it, but to me, it just looks better. Do you ever take those things out on the road? Like, I know they have that performance thing here in Southern California. Well, I went to the one in Leipzig, Germany, where you can race around the track. I didn't do my car. I don't want to race my car around the track. <laughs> no. but I raced their car that was like mine around How the track. How was that? Talk about that. Yeah, that was uh, good for about 10 minutes. Then I wanted to stop. And I had 50 more minutes to go. I was sick as a dog. I mean, they, <laughs> oh. you know, because they put you in there. You drive, but you also drive with a race car driver sitting next to you. So he drives some laps, then you drive some laps, then he drives some laps. And when he's driving, your head is plastered to the window, and you can't get your head off the window. And <laughs> then you go up and down, and your stomach goes. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's interesting. You know. Wow, that sounds pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, just How did you get the chance to do that? Oh, just with some friends of mine in Europe. You know, They rented a thing, and we could go. I don't know how much it cost because we burned up a complete set of tires. They were all gone. You know. Really? Yeah. What's the fastest? I'm sure it's expensive. What's the fastest you've ever gone in your Porsche? Oh, probably about 160, 
I got caught by the police on the way to Vegas. You know, it was a uh, couldn't pay the ticket. It was a reckless driving ticket. You know, you couldn't like whip court. out uh, Ghostbusters no. poster or anything. No, he said, "Who are you gonna call? Jail." You know? <laughs> <laughs> I hope you know who to call because you're gonna be in here. You know, but that didn't go That's so right. well. That's right. They do give you one call, don't yeah, they? Yeah, that didn't go so well. You no. Know? Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. After so, that, I started flying airplanes. I thought that was a better idea. You know? Really? So yeah. Tell me a little bit about, okay, I'm going to give you the top three cars that Ray Parker Jr. has on his I Want Someday list. Top three cars. I got them all. Uh, Porsche 911, uh, Tesla, and I guess the only other car we want is that new Tesla that's going to be 1.8 seconds, you know. The how new convertible. That's I, I want one of those. You know. Isn't it amazing how fast those things yeah, go from really a standing fast. start? Absolutely. Yeah, my Tesla, which is I got the SUV model, it's faster than my Porsche. By a good long ways. You know, just outrun the Porsche any day of the week. You know. And I bet you didn't expect that when you got it, or did no. you? Did you know that? Well, I heard rumors about it, but man, if all the Teslas, I mean, I've had this is my third one. They're just fast. They're really fast. And you can just keep on going with that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Have you had a chance to see some of the cars here at the uh, some of the old cars that no. were in the movie? No, I haven't seen that yet. I just got here. Oh, okay. And I thought I was going to have some free time, but it don't look like it. You know. Can you? Are you surprised after all these years, everybody's so much into Ghostbusters still? Well, I was surprised from the beginning. I mean, it's like uh, we hit a home run. You know what I mean? It's like I think even the best batter, you hit a home run, you go, wow, that, it's, uh, it's going past the fence, you know. Well, this one just went out the stadium, and anybody even found a ball yet? You know, it's just yeah. still going. So it's a, it's a very biggest blessing I've ever had. You know, just it's just an amazing thing. And what makes me, what I like about it the most is that all the kids, five and six and seven years old, they all love the song. So every time they see me, their moms and dads tell me they're just happy as they could be. And it's something about that. You know, it's like, I don't know if you're a dentist or a doctor, you give people news, you don't make, you don't see that much happiness. You know what I mean? And so. For me to be able to make a living and do something that makes everybody smile and everybody happy, and it makes me smile because they're smiling, I, I just don't know if, if things get any better or not. You know, yeah. It's just really a special, special, special thing, and I appreciate it and realize it. And when you did it originally, I mean, who expected this to be what I it didn't. is today? I, I didn't even, it, it was okay. I mean, I don't make bad music, I mean, you know, because I wouldn't have turned it into anybody. But I had no idea I was going to do all that, you know. I was just trying to fit what the director said he wanted and just get the job done, you know. What was your first expression or first thought when you first saw the movie? Oh, I liked the movie. It was done when I saw it. So I did like the movie. I said, oh, this is pretty interesting. It's fun. It's clever, you know. I remember scenes with Bill Murray's picking up the cars and said, nah, nah, you know. I thought it was just very, very clever done. It was a good comedy. Has anything ever come close that you've done? Anything come close to this? No, absolutely not. And I think the Ghostbuster guys will tell you themselves, they, out of all the movies they've done, and Ivan and Dan Agra, they've done some unbelievable movies. Nothing comes close to this Ghostbusters thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just a phenomenon unto itself. Ray Parker Jr. of Ghostbusters. Now, I spotted Dan Aykroyd walking around at the Ghostbusters Fan Fest. And, yep, I caught up with him in an episode I call 120 Seconds with Dan Aykroyd. Well, first of all, we were looking for the the biggest station wagon possible. We were looking for a car that could seat, seat all four Ghostbusters abreast across the front seat. Plus, it needed a jump seat in the back to assist with the equipment, plus a roller rack uh, for uh, all the packs. Mm -hmm. And what fit the bill was uh, the 1959 Miller Meteor Cadillac Ambulance <laughs> hearse package. <laughs> Uh, designed by Harley Earl, he was the famous uh, Finn designer, mm -hmm. and so it just fit the bill perfectly. I thought, yep, this is the 
this is the car we're going to use. And of course, you got the chance to drive it? Oh, many times. Yes, I slung that baby around a lot. Quite the wall. It cornered pretty good, though. And uh -huh. of course, it had a beautiful big motor in it, which, uh, which we punched out. <laughs> yeah, how many how many actual Ectos were there? You can't find more than um, one. You know, I think there were three built. Uh -huh. And they're very rare now. Oh, very rare, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, Blues Brothers. Yeah, how it was a Dodge Monaco 440. Uh, yeah, it had the biggest Chrysler motor to that to date in there. And uh, I guess I, I picked that because if, if, as a recidivist running from the police, I wanted the equipment that uh, could, uh, hey. You did that? That could, uh, that could uh, at least have a shot at, at outrunning them. And, of course, how many actual Dodge Monacos were used, especially? Uh, well, there, were, uh, there was a jump car. There was a flip car. There was a, uh, a drag uh, short mile, quarter mile car. There was the interior car so about four or five of them i think <coughs> of the black and white and then we bought all these police cars from the chicago police department we bought 70 of them and made it look like five or six hundred of them so some 70 cars how obviously yeah. the, you, you only had one take yes yes that's right that's right well oh no no with 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 uh, so many cars we were able to make it look like many more uh -huh. many more yeah <laughs> yeah that was good Wow, does 120 seconds fly by when you're having fun? Now we turn to the movie Christine. You remember a possessed 1958 Plymouth Fury? Actually, it was a red Belvedere with Fury trim, something they never made in 1958. Furies then only came in white with gold trim, but I digress. Stephen Tash, he played the teen owner of a 67 Camaro named Rich. Basically, the bully kind of guy who the Plymouth not only didn't like... But he eventually was killed when the car crushed the 67 Camaro and Rich was uh, kind of underneath it. Right, Steve? First of all, I just want to relate to you that one of my favorite cars growing up, 67 Camaro, bang, in the movie, I am in a 67 Camaro. And then, better than an Academy Award, right to the heart of my, ki my little kid being Hot Wheels comes out with the Christine Camaro car and of course the Christine car as well but it was so thrilling for me to actually have a scene in the car and not only that my favorite band growing up was the Stones and there I am I'm like listening to the Stones doing a scene acting having the music having the car everything's coming together at once it was probably my favorite moment well, and talk about the fact that in that movie, a lot of people remember the 57, uh, excuse me, a lot of people remember the 58 quote-unquote Fury, which wasn't really a Fury because they didn't have a red and white Fury. But the Fury, in this case, as you remember the movie, uh, had basically destroyed this Camaro. And how did your character get involved with that? Yeah. Well, of course, uh, what a classic movie from Stephen King's book. And uh, John Carpenter went to a lot of details and, um, you know, right now as we speak, we're looking at a photo that I have in front of us uh, where I got to do my own stunt where basically they collected a bunch of these Camaros and took them apart. And they had to take a couple of these apart because they had to fit the, the camera rigs in there. And so basically it's just fantastic that I got to do my own stunt and get approval to do that. And, once you do a stunt, I couldn't, literally, I could not go to sleep. It changes like the electrical current in your body, where they basically have four grips picking up 
the guy that's manning the camera, which is on top of this contraption is half of the car. So he's shooting through what's supposed to be the Camaro that's coming straight at me and I have to fall down and have this car run over me. Anyways, see the movie. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going on and on about it, but it's, it's, uh, it was like my favorite thing to do because I, I'd never done a stunt and it was uh, a lot of fun. Now, you were, if I remember right in the character, you were actually somebody who was a friend of the main character. Is that what it was? Or the yeah. protagonist? Or what was? Yeah. So in this movie, um, basically, this, this kid picks up this clunker and it becomes like a pretty awesome car. But he starts to go after the people that bullied him. I was one of the guys that bullied him. Okay. And then eventually the Camaro and you and you didn't last and you were killed and, and the car was like that. I mean, can you imagine the fact that th even today this movie is still, you know, popular as it is? It's unbelievable. So I get a chance every so often to go around to different cities in the United States and I'm blown away. I have grandfathers who bring their son and he brings his son, so it's three generations showing up going, this is our movie, this brings us together. It's the cars, it's the music, it's Stephen King. And I'm so touched. It's, it's taken on a life well beyond its time and years, yeah. yeah. And you're a car guy on top of this, correct? Yeah, I mean, how could you not be? I, I grew up in a time with the muscle cars. I loved all that stuff. So, yeah. What was your first car? My first car was, oh my gosh, a Toyota Celica, which I, you know, you wish you kept the damn things. But um, later on, later on, uh, just a, maybe a decade later, I got a classic 55 GMC pickup truck. And I got it from a guy who told me the whole history. He had gotten it from a, a town in California called Lodi. It's like a farming community. And it had like the original odometer of like the miles were like nothing. It was like, he said it was an old couple. They just ran into town or did little errands on it. And I just loved that truck. It was just such a beauty, man. How long did you have it and when was the last time you had it? So I had that car, uh, I had a little ranch. And uh, I mean, it was, uh, I had all kinds of animals. So I was always getting, hey, I would use it sparingly, sometimes on dates. Like, I had a pretty cool Benz. Oh, I got to tell you the Benz story. Anyways, I had a, a really cool, uh, like, so I didn't want to take the Benz. I didn't want to, like, have anybody think anything. And it wasn't even a brand new Benz, but it was, a, it was a Benz with a story, and it was a cool car. But I would show up on a first date with the truck, and I thought, if the girl does not complain about being picked up in this truck, then I know we're simpatico. <laughs> You know something? I've done that before, where you pick them up and like, I had a 64 Dodge. I picked them up and if she freaked out about that, I knew that that date would not be, there not be a second date. So how often did that work? So, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, Probably about as well as it did for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was short lived. Yeah. You want, you want, to, you want the date to last longer, you show up in the Benz. <laughs> but let me tell you real quick about the Benz and then I'll go back to the truck. So the Benz, I, I got... A guy I knew was friends with Mario Andretti, the famous race car driver. And one night they're drinking and hanging out at Mario's house. And they go, Mario, you've got way too many cars, man. And they counted them as like nine cars. And he goes, oh, my God. He, he goes, sell those three. 
And so I, I, you know, ran into the friend, and he was like, well, this guy's got a car. He doesn't tell me it's Mario. I see the car, and the first thing he shows me is he pops the hood. It was like a, at the time, I'm going back to like the, the late 80s, I believe. At the time, it had like a $10,000 stereo system in the trunk, like all the... I mean, it was, it would look like a, an electronics board. It was phenomenal. I didn't even know it had an engine. I didn't need to see anymore. I was like, I want this car. And then he tells me the whole history. It's Mario Andretti's. He, I had the paperwork with Mario's name and everything. And it was just a beautiful, I want to remember the model number. I want to say like a, a 380 SEL. It was like long and luxurious and it was really beautiful and well kept. It had the fat tires on it and it was just tinted windows and this was just a smooth ride. It was really fun to drive. Wow. Now you're aware or maybe you're not aware but you're uh, so you you sold the GMC or you still own it? So the GMC um, I, I had the little ranch with all the animals and stuff, and I had that for about 15 years. All the while, I have this GMC, and I'm doing little things on it, but it was pretty clean. But, of course, it's in a, a covered patio, and so you're starting to get a little bit of rust here and there from the weather. And um, Anyways, I've probably had that thing for about 22 years, approximately, and it was moving from the ranch into some other kind of housing with another place that didn't have all the property and didn't have room for this vehicle. And I was like, oh no, I gotta sell this thing. And so I basically, my, I've got a, a events organizer. I've got a couple of agents that are, they go out and will book you at places that, where they, the fans wanna meet and greet, right? And this guy is totally into cars. And I know he's into cars. And I mentioned to him, hey, I think I'm going to part with this truck. I can't believe it's, I'm even saying this, you know. And he's like, let me see what I could do. Like 48 hours later, he's got, I've got this guy who's got a museum of classic cars in L.A. near you. And I think they might be interested. And one thing comes to another. And this guy sees it. And he's like, yeah, what do you want? And we do a deal. And it was like, and he's totally tricking it out. And it's going to be at this uh, car museum in Los Angeles. Now that, of course, is the uh, automobile driving museum in uh, in El Segundo, and the LAX. And the interesting thing about that is, I don't know if you've heard of a, a gal by the name of uh, Bogie Latiner who is uh, on Velocity and Motor Trend, and she does a show called uh, All Girls Garage. And she actually had a car that they built, and it was all female. Mechanics. I don't know if you've heard of that. I have heard about that, and I thought that was an incredible kind of uh, sideline to this whole thing, that it was going to be like all women that were interested in like the mechanics of this stuff working on it. I was like, oh, man, it was like double sale. I was like, yes, this is fantastic. They did that. They decided at the uh, driving museum to do the same thing with your GMC. I'm so excited, and it's just so funny that, you know about this and that you and I are meeting for the first time and the world just got very tiny. <laughs> and, and I'm I'm sitting here, you know, and I, I I actually have we posted it on our website. You can see it on talkingaboutcars.net and I'm uh, hold on just a second. Okay. I believe this is your car. That's my baby. I love it. Oh. oh. Yes. This is before they started to work on it, though. Yes. 
That looks identical to, yeah. Oh my God. It's like, uh, it's really weird. Like it's a damn, you know, just like Christine, just like Stephen King knew that these things become, they're inanimate objects that you develop this weird, like almost, it's almost like your name. Like when I saw that, I was like, oh, there I am. No, it's not me. That's my vehicle, but there I am. It's so weird. Okay, so what's in your garage right now then? So now nothing. I, I have like a classic, uh, I, I guess it's classic. It's a 80, no, 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 I'm sorry. It's, a, it's not that old. It's a 93 BMW. It's totally clean and uh, original and beautiful. And, uh, Very cool. Um, what car that you don't have anymore that you would like back? You know, uh, there's, it's a car I was wanting. I think I was a little young for it at the time. And now I kind of have like a little fan. I allow myself to have this fantasy, which is like a, a two. 40, 260, 280Z, I think, blows my mind. And once in a while, along the 101 Ventura Freeway, you will see one, and you will see the proud owner in a clean car just knowing he has got a champion ride. Three cars that you have on the Steve Tash I want that car someday list. Yeah. We all have one. Yeah. Well, for sure, the one of those Zs, the 240, 260, 280. Um, and then... You know, it pains me that I got rid of that damn truck, and I, I, I'm a truck guy, man. And when, when they drive by, I'm craning my neck, and I'm inj I could injure others out there. I have to be very careful, but I'm, I, I'm attracted to, to, you know, uh, pre predominantly like uh, early 40s to mid-50s trucks. So something in that range, uh, Chevy, GMC, maybe Ford, wraparound windows. I love all that stuff. And then the third would be... You know, I'd have to really reserve that for some thought because I just went to an unbelievable show in Rochester, New York. And this guy that put on the show is a self-made man. He's a businessman. He owns a couple of city blocks in Rochester. And he had the Christine folks, the movie people, come out, did the show. And he's got a muscle car museum of cars he owns and it, I was a kid in a candy store unbelievable if you're in the Rochester area you won't believe the cars he has the he's got a I mean he's got cars that they only made a few of that are worth buku bucks and I saw some of the most outrageous color cars all muscle cars so I was like really salivating over a couple of those you know and they were also the mid 60s you know, the GTO, the Charger. Yeah. And growing up, I was able to take my mom's 1972 or three Cutlass that she had, which was a notorious car. It was known as one of the fastest cars at the time. And, and I was a rock and roll photographer going into Hollywood and I would take this car and, you know, some of the rockers that would see this car would go, badass car, man. Steve Tash from the movie Christine at the Ghostbusters Fan Fest. Hey, remember to subscribe to Talking About Cars on Radio.com, iTunes, and KNX1070.com. That way you can be notified when a new podcast is uploaded and you won't miss a thing. If you're on iTunes, please give us five stars and leave a comment about what you think of the podcast. In other words, give us a review. Our website is TalkingAboutCars.net. That's where I basically give you a little more background information about the whole podcast. 
and its recording. Don't forget to follow us and like us on our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Well, that was a full show, don't you think? Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars.